This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Stealing, he laughs himself to tears. There's no one who can fight him except for me. How can I defeat him? I'm tired, it's getting hot. There has to be a flaw in his plot. Bat belt is igniting, but first, you know what's dropping new. It's bad books for beginners. It's bad books for beginners. Some people, there's no pleasing. The crime is going down. Some villain robs a bank. And I emerge The people all are screaming But first I gotta download It's bad books For beginners It's bad books For beginners It's bad books For beginners And welcome to this edition of TBU's Bat Books for Beginners, episode 194. My name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. And we are your hosts. On Bat Books for Beginners, we will examine story arcs with Batman and related characters. We'll give you the historical background of the book, break down the plot and the art, and give you our opinions so you can decide for yourself if they're worth a read. Today's Bat Book Chris and I are covering is Robin, Search for a Hero. Chris, tell us a little bit about this book. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jerry. <laughs> Jerry, got to give you a nice little uh, applause there. Yeah, Frampton, my Ooh, goodness. Uh, yeah. <laughs> rocking the Frampton there. I like Frampton. Yeah, me too. Bat Books comes alive. Yes, it does. <laughs> Hello, Bat fans. Thank you very much for spending a part of your day with us today. Robin, Search for a Hero is a 208-page softcover trade paperback that had a cover price of nineteen ninety nine and was published in August 2009. This trade paperback reprints material that was originally published in Robin, Volume 1, issue numbers 177 through 183. The last issue of the volume is one we won't be covering on this show. They were cover dated October 2008 through March 2009, and those individual issues were cover priced at $2.99. This trade paperback appears to have only gone through one printing. 
Uh, my sources are a little unclear whether this is available on Comixology. I don't think it is. If you're interested in obtaining a hard copy version of the story, back issues may be the cheaper route to go, but it'd be best to shop around. You can get a used copy of the trade for around $30 US and up. Individual back issues can be found for at or a little over cover price, but that final issue is costing a little over double the cover price. Mm. Now, for our creative teams, per usual, I'm going to go off my recollection and, and some online resources. Our creative team has been mentioned on our show before. Our writer is Fabian Nicienza. He's 56 and was born in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Fabian's first published story was Cyforce Number 9 in 1987 under Marvel Comics' New Universe imprint. He has numerous credits and co-created Deadpool with Rob Liefeld. In the early 1990s, he worked on Marvel's New Warriors for the first 53 53- issues and would later say that was the best work of his career. Other credits include Cable and Deadpool, Action Comics, JSA Classified, Nightwing, and Robin. Nicienza began writing the DC series Red Robin from issues number 13 to 26. The final issue, which was in August 2011, DC announced that Nicienza would be writing Legion Lost, a spin-off of Legion Superheroes, part of the DC's line Wide Relaunch initiative back in September 2011. Nicienza wrote the first six issues before leaving the title. In 2016, for the comics company Shatner Singularity, he adapted a Stan Lee poem into the graphic mm-hmm. novel Stan Lee's God Woke. Mm-hmm. That work won the 2017 Independent Publishers Book Awards Outstanding Books of the Year Independent Voice Award. Per his Twitter account, his current project is something called Outrage on Line Web Tune. For our penciler, we had Freddie E. Williams II. I believe he was mentioned in the previous Robin trade that we reviewed. Uh, Williams was born in Little Rock, Arkansas. He grew up in Kansas City, Kansas, and now he lives in Lee's Summit, Missouri with his wife. Williams was inspired to become a comic book writer, or excuse me, a comic book artist at the age of 15 after seeing Jim Lee's artwork in Uncanny X-Men number 272. Hmm. He worked on The Flash after a long stint on Robin. He's won an Eisner Award for his work on the Seven Soldiers Mr. Miracle series. And he also wrote a book, The DC Comics Guide to Digitally Drawing Comics. And his website is www.freddyart.com. Now, Jerry will mention a few characters in a story recap that deserve a mention and a little bit of an introduction. First up, we have the Ragman. His first appearance was Ragman Number 1, cover dated September 1976, and he was created by Robert Kanniger and Joe Kubert. Uh, a Vietnam veteran, Rory Regan, who gained powers when mobsters were attempting to electrocute his father and friends, he is said to have an acrobat's agility, a strongman's strength, and a boxer's skills. The character would have appearances here and there throughout the decades, including a team-up with Batman and Brave and Bold, with retcons and tweaks of the character over the years that we won't go into depth here in the interest of time and content for this episode. Suffice it to say, there would be mystical powers added to his character. Mm-hmm. His most recent appearance was a six-issue miniseries within the past uh, two years. And next we have Jason Bard. Jason Bard was created by Frank Robbins and first appeared in Detective Comics number 392, cover dated October 1969. He was a Vietnam War vet with a knee injury that required him to use a cane. He was something of a love interest to Barbara Gordon, and they were serious for a time, but that relationship didn't take in the comics. More recently, in the New 52, he appeared in the Batman Eternal maxi-series as a cop relocated from Detroit, and his character takes a darker turn, aligning with Hush, but towards the end of that story arc, he did try to redeem himself. Now, over on Amazon.com, this book has a rating of four stars out of five, mm. based on just four reviews, and over on Goodreads.com, this has 
has a rating of 3.65 stars mm. out of 5 based on 102 ratings and 10 reviews. Oh, Ooh. but wait. Our show is not over yet. <laughs> Jerry and I haven't weighed in on this one yet. Now we'll let you know what we think what we think soon, but first we mm-hmm. have to hear, hear story we have to hear Jerry your story recap. And with that, I'm going to turn it back over to you. Great stuff. Thanks, Chris. So we're going to talk about this story after a few messages from some of our friends. Xenozoic Xenophiles. A fan podcast devoted to the comic series Xenozoic Tales. It's a post-apocalyptic adventure series filled with Cadillacs and dinosaurs. I'm Ruth. And I'm Darren. We hope you'll join us as we discuss the stories, characters, and art in this excellent comic series from creator, writer, and artist Mark Schultz. Xenozoic Xenophiles is available at podbean.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. And find us at xenozoicxenophiles.com. Welcome back. So here is the story of Robin, Search for a Hero. Batman is gone, and the Bat family is hanging on to try to keep peace in Gotham. The gangs are rising up to take advantage of the missing Dark Knight. Robin, Tim Drake, is doing his best to keep peace in the city in Batman's absence. Tim sees Penguin, the hard way. He knows Pengy has been after him. Turns out Oswald thought Tim stole stole back some money he turned over to him for a deal they made. Tim didn't steal the money. Who did? Two dirty cops, Wise and Cavallo, are trying to take advantage of the gang situation to get publicity for themselves. They're going to kill the gang leaders. Officer Harper is in touch with Robin. She knows the two are bad news and puts him onto their plan. Tim gets intel from the Sprang soldiers working the Robbinsville area of Gotham. He finds out that Jason Todd, the ex-Robin, has taken over the Black Gators gang. There's much gang fighting. Tim shows up, and he and Jason fight. Jason gets shot through the leg by the leader of the Black Gators, named Dublin. The GCPD cleans up the aftermath of the fight and takes Jason to jail. Watching the drama is a man in a red Robin outfit, outfit with a full cowl and cape. What? Yeah, I know. Funny stuff. Spoiler visits an assassin and gives her a briefcase full of money for a job. Uh Uh-oh, what's going on here? I know, (laughs) insane. Robin protects a kid, Jake, from getting pulled into the Sprang gang. The very creepy ragman watches the action and has his own opinion of the consequences of kids joining gangs. It puts them in danger, but also gives them protection. Cavallo and Wise bring in Dublin, the leader of the Black Gators, for a gang killing of Ketchum. Tim is trying to get the gangs to stop fighting by fighting them. Robin sees Red Robin, and he drops some tear gas on the festivities and leaves the scene. Who is Red Robin? What does he want? Is he helping or not? Jason Todd was Red Red Robin for a brief time after coming back from an alternative Earth. But this isn't Jason. Who could it be? Tim goes to the streets and finds Ragman. Officer Harper brings the dead uh, Ketchum's bloody clothes that he was killed in. Ragman can see the events of Ketchum's death through the bloody clothes. 
Turns out Cavallo and Wise forced Dublin to shoot and kill Ketchum. Harper gets the green light from Gordon to arrest the two dirty cops. The Gotham police protest the arrest of Cavallo and Wise. And because they aren't on the job, the gangs go even more out of control. Spoiler visits the now adult Ulysses Armstrong, who she has hired to cause trouble. He shoots her while her back is turned. But don't worry, kids, she only gets it in the shoulder. It was only a test, and Ulysses stitches her back together. The two tussle for reasons, and she escapes and heads to the hospital. Now, it turns out that Batman told Spoiler that she had to help Tim to make him a better Robin, to make him better at his night job. The way she has decided to do that is to hire bad guys to force Tim to improve his game. The gangs are going to war. The Golden Dragon Gang has a new leader, the costumed Lynx. The aerial merc, Jaeger, is also in Gotham, involved with the gangs. The suited Scarab, too. Tim takes off in the Batmobile to stop the fighting. He arrives at the gang battle, and everyone thinks it's Batman. Scarab sets off explosives that create a trench around the Batmobile. Tim ejects out of the car, and with the help of Spoiler, takes some of the baddies out. Red Robin, uh, we find out who's Ulysses Armstrong, he attacks. Yeah, you're going to need a scorecard on this one. Absolutely, a lot going on. <laughs> Ulysses Armstrong is no match for Tim Drake. Tim needs to save some folks from death, so Red Robin is able to get away. Tim turns the Batmobile into a trench-defeating off-road vehicle, sprays some short-term scarecrow gas on the crowd, and takes Steph to see Alfred to get stitched up. Steph wonders if, by making Tim tougher, if she's making him a more damaged person. Tim has placed a tracker on Red Robin, goes to the rooftop he's on, and overhears Red Robin talking to Scarab. Turns out she had been working for Red Robin, but someone had given her more money so she will kill, and Ulysses had only wanted her to injure. Ulysses is on comms with someone else that sounds like his boss, but he speaks funny. Also, the guy uses the word anarchy. Uh-oh, it's anarchy. Robin and Red Robin fight some. Robin tells Ulysses to get out of Gotham. Get out of Gotham. Ulysses makes a crack about Spoiler, whom Robin knows was lying about how she got her injuries. Tim goes to Armstrong's warehouse hideout. There are a lot of explosives and an anarchy mask. And Tim trips the boom wires. The warehouse explodes. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Anarchy is on the loose in Gotham City. A badly burned Tim Drake monitors the situation in the Batcave, but he's too injured from the explosion to go out to fight. But he's getting better. Gangs are attacking everywhere. Spoiler hasn't heard from Tim in a while. She's worried that she is making bad decisions. Us too, Stephanie. Us too. Tim has Jason Bard, a PI on the case, to track down who is paying all these mercs. Jason goes to a cop bar and finds some ladies of the evening that Cavallo and Wise used to spend some time with. Euphemisms abound. Jason gets some juicy info on Tim, uh, to Tim, which will surely come in handy later. Charges against Cavallo and Wise are dropped because of all the chaos. They smugly leave jail and go back on the job. Tim thinks he should have recognized Anarchy's actions long before this. He needs to go out on patrol, but can't because of his badly burned head. And he wears a domino mask, which would expose his head. He decides to go out in the Red Robin outfit, which has a full cowl and hides the scars. 
turns out the real anarchy is in an iron lung, and Ulysses in his, is in his outfit causing trouble. He's Ulysses' mentor or hostage or a mix of both, but the student decides to ignore his master and he strikes out on his own. Robin gets in touch with anarchy and realizes what's going on. There's a gang parley and Spoiler breaks in and fights them. Anarchy is seen outside and everyone runs away. Bombs explode. Good guys race to the scene. Tim Tim Drake in the Red Robin gear uh, goes too, and he confronts Ulysses and as the fake anarchy. There's much fighting. Spoiler tries to get the gangs to clear the block. They aren't co- cooperative. Fake anarchy blows up some bombs. Stephanie uses the explosions to convince the gangs that anarchy doesn't care about them and they need to help out each other to survive. They do help, and they clear the buildings together. The GCPD arrives. Gordon tells them to work with the gangs to clear the buildings to protect people. Tim and Ulysses fight. Ulysses wants to spread chaos all over Gotham. Tim shows him that the cops and the gangs are all working together, so he has utterly failed. Tim had told Officer Harper to get Ulysses' parents to the scene. She does, but also brings his brother and sister. Ulysses sets off a bomb that inadvertently gets them into an explosion. Gordon asks Robin if risking the lives of civilians is what Batman would have done. Tim says it doesn't matter what Batman would have done, it's what he chose to do. Tim confronts Stephanie. He knows about all of her misguided antics. He doesn't want to see her wearing the spoiler outfit ever again. Wayne Enterprises has set up community centers all over Gotham. Ex-gang members are being paid to help the community. Tim visits Jason in prison and gives him a Justice League-approved code to escape. Jason Bard shows Cavallo and Wise some compromising photos the pair's lady friends took of them. Bard lets them know that from now on, they work for Robin. Officer Harper gets promoted. Jim Gordon lights up the bat signal, and Robin answers the call. So Chris and I are going to talk about our feelings for this story after these words from some of our friends. Beautiful as Aphrodite. Wise as Athena. Stronger than Hercules. Swifter than Mercury. Explore the 75-year history of the Amazon princess with Wonder Woman, Warrior for Peace, a monthly podcast available on iTunes, Stitcher, and at wonderwomanwarriorforpeace.wordpress.com. Welcome back. All right, Chris, what'd you think? Well, before I, you know, get too deep in the stew here, I want to just, uh, I really like the acknowledgments because there were a couple here, you know, with, uh, Robbins mm-hmm. gang and uh, the Dick Sprang thing, uh, were yeah. creators, for, uh, who worked on Batman. So we had, uh, Frank Robbins and Dick Sprang where we mm-hmm. got some nice nods here. There were so many ingredients in this story stew though that I, I just got lost in places and I really didn't feel too vested in the characters as much as I think I could have in another, uh, Robin Tim Drake story, which is unfortunate because I think there were a lot of things going on. Uh, we had Stephanie. Uh, I, I really kind of was starting to dig the Harper character, mm-hmm. but I don't know if she had much to do there. But all this uh, who's who of mm-hmm. of, of uh, different appearances with uh, uh, Ulysses Arms 
strong. You know, for his, now he's the general. Now he's Red Robin. And then, then wait a minute, he's you know that that just really threw me off. And I think it was one switcheroo too many, which kind of soured me a little bit. And I just couldn't quite get invested in this one as with some of the previous Robin trades that we looked at. Mm-hmm. Jerry, those were my initial impressions. How about you? Well, there were an awful lot of characters. You know, you had Ragman, you had Red Robin, and you know, Ulysses is Red Robin. Tim is Red Robin. Anarchy, you know, a fake anarchy. You know, you had Jason Bard, who's you know, who's a decent character. But then you had, you know, Scarab, Lynx, and Jaeger. And these are just they come in, they cause a little bit of trouble, and then they're kind of off the board. This is like every issue, every couple of pages, introduce somebody new. Maybe they'd be important. Maybe they wouldn't. Maybe they'd be somebody you didn't expect. Uh, you know, it was constantly changing. Um, you know, I love Tim and Stephanie's stories, you know, so going into this, you know, I had a good read. I enjoyed this read. It was uh, entertaining for me, but, uh, Stephanie is making very bad decisions and she made disastrous ones in war games. And she's making disastrous ones here. She really is in way over her head. And, you know, I guess on the one hand, as a character, you could say, all right, that's part of her characterization. But I just think that she's being mishandled here. Um, it's good to see her, but it's just really, really frustrating at her, um, you know, her really bad judgment. Uh, part of that didn't ring true for me. I, I think uh, I, I did get a handle on Tim. I don't think things were necessarily out of character with him, but mm-hmm. something just felt a little yeah. off with this, and I, I really can't put my finger on exactly it. I don't know if there was just too many things. Mm-hmm. One of the things also, before I forget, uh, we we still had um, – and I don't know if I would say that these scenes were obligatory, but we did – what I liked was we, we did have Tim – not essential to the story, but we did see him in his school uh, role there. You know, we had a little bit of interaction with Ives and Zoan, mm-hmm. which was nice. But a, yeah. a part of it almost felt shoehorned in as if it was kind of seemed obligatory just to say, hey, yeah. remember, reader, that Tim's still in school. And, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, I don't know if it was essential, but some of that backdrop just didn't really – click for me there was just mm-hmm. so many things going on and you know, scene chases and some things i think mm-hmm. with the fights going a little too long in these places and characters that just seemed uh i don't know if they felt forced with inclusion yeah. because we you know ragman pops up here and he was beautifully rendered by the yes. way by freddie williams but th- that said mm-hmm. I, I, I it seems like he out of, out of nowhere he, he's all of a sudden this focal character of the story and and yeah. then he coming comes and goes just just really weird. Yeah. And I would say, you know, my first um, impression was, you know, Ragman comes and goes, like you point out. I, I thought it was it was good while he was around. And I kind of was hoping that they would maybe keep him around and not bring in all these other, um, you know, costume creeps to cause trouble. But and the high school with the high school stuff you mentioned, um, really good, you know, um, comments you had about that. It seemed shoehorned in and it seemed to me that it was really just showing um, Steph and Tim's troubled relationship. He's never really gotten over her not telling him that she was still alive after he thought she was killed in war games. Um, he's got another girlfriend, but now that relationship is messed up too. And it's just kind of, you know, it's a, it's a relationship arc. They're in a troubled period in their relationship, but it's kind of a mess and a little frustrating at this point. Um, but you also pointed out totally correctly, Tim, Tim is, um, well depicted here. 
they, one of my favorite parts about a Tim Drake story is his internal monologue. And they do a really good job in this. It's always my favorite part of a Tim Drake book. He's, he is really growing into being Batman with, you know, Alfred. He's got some good conversations with Alfred and just the way he's thinking through, through things and kind of realizing the mistakes he's making and adjusting is really interesting. Um, you know, but there are a lot of things weighing this story down. Even Dick Grayson, he just seemed to, he was in this very briefly, just a couple of exchanges. He seemed a little bit off and I, I wasn't even buying Dick Grayson in this story. So that's trouble. Yeah, that's a good point too. And I, I don't know if it's because of the after effects with, uh, the events over in the Batman title going on congruently mm-hmm. with this. But I just felt really strange in this. Before I forget, I do want to go back to the uh, Ulysses Armstrong character as mm-hmm. the general persona. Now, I, I this was a unique character, but I'm not sure if he was rendered in such a way that it was true to his prior depictions. It, it, it almost seemed like uh, he regressed as a character and not progressed. Mm-hmm. It, it looked mm-hmm. like uh, he, he seemed to be more immature than a mature character uh yeah. in the past we saw him as, as more of a, a thoughtful uh, thinking character just just some things that totally seemed off i will say the uh when, when you mentioned when uh, stephanie got shot the, the, mm-hmm. that that scene ended at the end of an issue to set up a cliffhanger and you thought yeah. oh stephanie got it right there i mean how yep. is she going to escape a point blank uh <laughs> shot at close range you know Not and again. When the, yeah and then then we see uh she was only merely wounded in a in the uh shoulder not not like Life-threatening yeah. wound, but okay, I, I got suckered into that, and yeah. that was a yeah. little bit of effective storytelling. So I have to give uh, Nancy and Crenson on that for at least keeping me engrossed in parts throughout the story. Mm-hmm. But just so many fight scenes that I just thought were, you know, really yeah. at, at the end of the day, you know, I, I, I just I, I really wanted to like the story more, but I, I just couldn't quite like it enough. Yeah, I felt the same way. You know, even when, when Tim is badly burned, which sucks, right? It was cool to see Tim in the Red Robin outfit for the first time. You know, that's kind of neat, but, you know, they don't really, it doesn't really pay off too well. And there's some confusing things. I, I assume here that, um, Armstrong's brother and sister were killed in the explosion. I think, um, it sounded like everyone was implying that, but it wasn't. Really clear. <laughs> yeah, it's that that I, I I got the same way with that. There were some things with the art that just kind of tripped me up a little bit. But mm-hmm. overall, I, I thought uh, Williams did a good job with general depictions with with yep. Tim. Uh, there was a nice Dick Grayson. Uh, mm-hmm. The female characters were really well done. Uh, Stephanie mm-hmm. and Zoan were, were were nicely done. Uh, not spectacular. I, I think the fight scenes got a little crowded and and, and, mm-hmm. and messy as as they should perhaps. But uh, mm-hmm. good. But you know, it was it was good as the story was quote unquote good, but not maybe to the next level of great. <laughs> yeah, there were some good um, full pages of art, like we're in, um, you know, uh, Spoiler and Robin were were going in, and all the people had the scarecrow gas, and you know they were seen as these horrible creatures flying through the air, and that was pretty cool. And also there was a a, a really interesting panel 
of Stephanie. So Tim is trying to figure out who's behind all the chaos. And I think it's before we're really sure that it's Stephanie that's kind of behind it all. And you have a little like a, a, a speech bubble of, you know, who's doing this. And then you have this uh, uh, depiction of a very guilty looking Stephanie. <laughs> and I thought that was uh, an interesting um, use of art uh, as kind of foreshadowing the problem. Um, and, you know, like I said, I did enjoy this read. Um, I felt it was entertaining. There was, you pointed out, there were some good points that kept you really engaged in the story. And I'm a natural Tim and Stephanie fan. And, you know, you have a little bit of Jason here. You have a little bit of, um, Dick here, you know, so there's everything in this story should have been right up my alley and perfect. But mm, I don't know. Where, where would you bring this in a rating? Jerry, I was really torn between a 2.5, which I would call a quote-unquote average, and a 3 because I think they tried to incorporate some elements to make this a little more epic in scope than than a standard story. Uh, I'm not a huge Ragman fan, but I did buy into his inclusion, and the, the way he was rendered was just marvelous. I thought uh, Freddie Williams did a great job uh, with art on that particular character. I, we 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 weren't cheated with any of the personal relationship being addressed between mm-hmm. uh, Tim and Steph, which was yeah. really good. I like that. I don't know if I'm invested as them as much as you are. Mm-hmm. I, I I'd like to think I am, but it sounds to me like you're you're more of a fan rooting for them than I am. I and maybe I don't know if the the, the stakes almost seemed higher than they really were here for some mm-hmm. reason. Uh, and I, I do want to go back to the Harper. I thought she was a really good character. Yeah. Maybe not enough to do to show more of her in, in the sense that we would get some type of miniseries or something more spotlight on this character. But I thought she was mm-hmm. really well depicted. Yeah. I'm really, really torn between a 2.5 and a 3. Mm-hmm. I, I'll land on a generous 3 only because I, I really admire what they did and how some of the things were. But, you know, ask me in an hour and I could probably tell you a 2.5 again because it was just <laughs> – but if you if you got me cornered at this very second, I am I'm going to say a 3.0 out of mm-hmm. five. It just just slightly above average because I, I think it tried to execute some things. Some of the things didn't quite land for me. Some of the things I think took a little longer to get resolved. I thought there was a little bit too much of a tease with with uh, the general. All of a sudden, he's chameleon, you know, with all these yeah. different identities, and I, I was taken aback by that a little bit. Uh, so I'll say. A 3.0. How about you? Okay. So I would, the first time I read it through, I enjoyed it. Um, I would say my first impulse was to give it a little higher than you. I think you're, you're correct when you point out I'm a little more invested in, um, Tim and Stephanie than maybe the average person is. So my first impulse was to give it a three and a half. But as I kind of read it again and thought about it again, the, all the problems of the story kind of really came out and overwhelmed, uh, you know, my initial enjoyment of it. So I would probably begin to drop this down to about a, a 3.0 as well. Um, I, I think that as if you're, you know, in terms of whether this is a must read or whether I'd recommend it, I, I think it's really cool to see Tim as Red Robin for the first time. I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed the um, Tim and Stephanie kind of relationship arc. Um, if you're a Tim Stephanie fan, I think you'd probably like this a lot more than than it may sound like you would like it. Um, but there are some there are some real issues, and I think there are a lot better stories um, that I would recommend first. 
Yeah, I agree. I, I don't know. I, I'd have to put it. Uh, I'd have to put some other trades ahead of this one in respect to a must read. I mean, this is something you could eventually get to, but uh, by no means would I say go out and get it. And Jerry, based on your comments too, you know, I haven't changed my score to two point five yet, but the show is not over. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we'll have to time, see before yeah. we sign off. You know, I might change my mind again, but I'm still sticking to my three. But you know, I, yeah. we'll see what happens in the next couple of minutes. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. So I think that's what we have for this story. Unless you have something else. No, that's all. That's all I had. Uh, I just want to say uh, you can find me at BT on Bat Books and right. uh, on Twitter, and uh, over on the Batgirl to Oracle podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm reviewing Batman Adventures, Archie meets Batman '66, and I also do a segment within a segment called Night Watch, mm. where I look at things from a shipper lens. But things are looking pretty bleak there. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if that segment's going to last much longer. As I mentioned, uh, teaser for for my next uh, when the next episode of BTO drops, and it's a long one, so. Uh, uh, make sure you have uh, have enough time cleared. You know, maybe uh, this is the podcast you save for the long road trip. <laughs> yeah, or, or, it's like or, a four hour one or something. Yeah, right? so this yeah. is it's, it's it's a long one. You know, longer than usual Stella sure. Backworld Oracle shows, but yeah. that's it. Now, Jerry, can people uh, find you on Twitter? And can we see any of your awesome reviews anywhere Ooh. on the web? Well, yes, you can. I I review Batgirl and Catwoman on the BatmanUniverse.net. So go over to the BatmanUniverse.net, uh, which this podcast is a, uh, a a proud member of, and you can go and check out my uh, written reviews on Batgirl and Catwoman. And on Twitter, um, I tweet my weekly comics, uh, the the ones I get every week. I talk about indie comics a lot. I uh, tweet about my uh, adventures trying to make it through Dark Shadows, which I'm stuck in the Leviathan story arc, if you're familiar with Dark Shadows uh, stories. And, of course, uh, Chris and I, we live tweet horror movies uh, on Saturday night starting at 8 p.m. Eastern Time at the hashtag Spengooly. You can see me on Twitter at Professor Frenzy. That's at Professor Frenzy. And Chris and I, uh, we also do another show. It's the Professor Frenzy Show. And by the time this episode is aired, I think, gosh, we're working on like our 28th episode of that show um, where we, uh, Chris and I, discuss indie comics and other pop culture topics, which we're having a lot of fun doing. So check that show out. Search on iTunes for the Professor Frenzy Show. Jerry, we were really fortunate to get some feedback recently mm. with respect to our most recent episodes, and I'd like to uh, share those with the listeners, if I may. First up, we heard from Nightstar357, and over on the TBU website, she chimed in with some of the things with respect to the uh, Batman R.I.P. episode, which mm. was uh, two episodes back, and she states the following, Hello! I enjoy listening Hello. to these podcasts. You still do. You all do a great job. Well, thank you so much. Well, thank you. Some of the key points for me as a reader is the aspect that the Joker aids Batman not only by hinting and pushing him about the radio, but also that mm. Joker has no point with without his rival of Batman. Uh, After all, true. who would the Joker fight and dispute if not Batman? Mm-hmm. I also enjoy the perspective of Batman stepping outside of the norm. Every mind, no matter how powerful, needs a break from the stress of life. Mm. Batman's new slash alter persona is understandable as a means of stepping back and looking at the picture in its entirety mm-hmm. and allowing time for realization. Overall, it can be confusing in some areas to follow story-wise, but in the end, it's quite enjoyable. Uh, best wishes, Nightstar 357. And as a follow-up, she uh, also tweeted uh, one thing she did want to make clear. I also enjoyed 
the kind of twist that the comic holds. When you see it at first, it seems that the RIP was meaning the rest in peace, but more so it seems to stand in rest in purgatory. In a sense, I love that because Batman is almost stuck that way if you think of it. He's always stuck in the never-ending cycle of fighting the bad guy, trying to protect his friends, trying to save someone's life, and avoid giving away his identity. He doesn't always succeed either, and with that, he relives it over and over again, never wanting to truly to give up his suit. He causes his own pain in a way. You guys mentioned the purgatory thing first, it made me ponder that. Wow, those mm-hmm. were some excellent points there. I, I can't thank yeah, you enough for really taking great. the time to write in, and especially just how you crystallized everything with the focus and the perspective of, you know, Batman, every mind know how powerful it is. It almost needs a break, and you, mm-hmm. you almost see Batman hardwired in such a way where he's constantly going 24-7, and yeah, uh, yeah this was really good. And I think she points out some of the things from the psychological aspect that I think we touched upon, but uh, really hits home here with her points. Yeah, very thoughtful comments. Thank you. And on the last episode, we covered Final Crisis, and we had mm. quite a bit of people <laughs> chiming in with some varied opinions, and we for that we can't thank you enough for taking the time to write. Now, first, we heard from Ian Miller, who over mm-hmm. on Twitter at IBM Miller. Awesome episode. I have stayed away from every crisis to avoid brain explosion. <laughs> but maybe a Jerry and Chris could talk about any major events that they might recommend in the next episode? Question mark? Smiley mm-hmm. emoji? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I tell you, brain explosion and crisis, uh, DC stories, boy, they sort of go hand in hand, don't they? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Ian, I yeah. don't know what to How say there. Finals crisis, uh, which is at the Superhero Girls. That's pretty good yeah there you go there you go <laughs> now we also heard from green lantern hg good friend of yes. our show and he's on twitter at green lantern hg and he says the following i never would have believed i would say this but i am not entirely in agreement with epito and bad books and at professor frenzy frown awesome. emoji hmm. it's not that you said anything wrong it's just that final crisis for me is a huge deal it's mm-hmm. number two on my top 10 oh well wow. well that's that's fair enough you know it, mm-hmm. this was one i think for whatever reason, I, I just don't know if if it hit me at the initial time. And again, I think I stated it before. If I don't know if I had any external things going on, I really try to be fair. And I took a step mm-hmm. back. I read it again here, and you know, I, I really like that Green Lantern HG chimed in because you know some of the things resonate more with the reader than others. And totally. if for this one, you know, I really I am glad that somebody applauded and championed this in such a way, mm-hmm. and made a point yeah. saying, you know, hey, this this was something that I I really liked, and um, you know. I can't believe you know there was a dissenting opinion. So mm-hmm. this was good to see that we had some Definitely. some a little counterpoint here with what we put out on the table there. And I think what we saw in the show when we discussed it is we could tell that there really was something great there, and that the people that like this story are going to really like this story. And I got that feeling, even though. It wasn't me that really liked it. I could see that there was going to be an audience that was going to just adore the, that story. And I'm thank, so, you know, so thankful that, uh, Green Lantern HG chimed in with, with that opinion. Cause, you know, I think it's important for folks, you know, it may be you that would really like this story. So, um, I think the more opinions like that we have, the better. Yeah, and I, I suspect he's not alone, but uh, yes. thank you again for chiming in. And then we also heard from a uh, good friend of the show, uh, Secret Word. And Beyond podcast, our friend uh, on Twitter at Sean42AZ. He states, Good, great episode, guys. I went in wondering why I never connected to the story, but then I heard the prof's brave attempt to cleverly <laughs> summarize the story and then realized why. There are just too many plot lines and too many events happen off screen. He also continues, Your summary made me realize I had forgotten entire swaths of this story, mm-hmm. probably because they came and went so quickly. 
And it's too bad because I usually love Morrison's work. Yeah. Yeah, Jerry, you did a yeoman's job with your story recap on that. Yeah, that was something. That was something to put together. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, we want to thank everybody who took the time to write. That really uh, meant a lot to us because, you know, we we get occasional feedback and the likes and retweets on our shows. But when you actually take the time to write some thoughtful comments and point some things out to us and and gives us things to consider and ponder and talk about on the show, it really makes for a more rewarding experience. So if you'd like Mm -hmm. to chime in, please do so. You can go on uh, the Batman Universe website, and usually there's a link to post comments there, and you basically have a lot of space to do so. Uh, of course, you could reach out on uh, direct message Jerry at Professor Frenzy or myself at BTO and Bat Books if you have uh, just a shorter comment that you, you want to do there. That's you're more than welcome to. But uh, I think the, the TV website gives you a lot more uh, space to get, get your points if you want to just uh, expand on something. So For there sure. you have it. Great. Thank you. Yeah. And speaking of likes and retweets over on Twitter, mm-hmm. I'd like to give some shout-outs to the following. For our last episode, we heard from the Batman Universe at oh. the Batman Universe. Warlord Worlds at Warlord Worlds, that's a Excellent. fan podcast devoted to the comic creations of writer and artist Mike Grell, including mm-hmm. the Warlord, John Sable, and Green Arrow. It's a part of the Red Adventures Network. We heard from Bob Rowland at Nick City oh. Brewing. Hey, he's one half of the uh, Gal Walks Into a Comic Shop. Fantastic show. Yes, we heard from Jules Brown at Jules Brouhaha. <laughs> street level fro- floppies at Street Level Floppy. Hey, that's a weekly. Uh, well, yeah. I think they're more often than a week now. Yeah, they're going pretty good now. They're uh, hosted sure by are. Real Comics, R E E L, uh, Panels underscore Hoodie, and our good buddy Comics Fred. Yep. Great job. Great show. A longtime friend of the show, Laurel at Mountain Flower One. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Feather and Foes. Please uh, check out her outstanding contributions there. Big Easy 77 at 77 awesome. underscore big. The aforementioned Secret Wars and Beyond podcast at Sean42AZ. Uh, the Selling Out Show at Selling Out mm. Show. That's a show about the world we live in, hosted by a couple of guys who screw up at every turn. Hey, now, <laughs> no, Dave, they come on. You know, <laughs> it's a, a co-hosted by our good friend Dave at Lava Hog at Lava Hog. Uh, Gal walks into a comic shop at Gal Walks. Thank you very much. Uh, now, that's a podcast where Bob... Is a seasoned vet of comics. He, he knows Batman. He knows Marvel. He knows all these independent stuff. And Barbara is starting to read comics, and she's read a few, but not quite as many as Bob is yet. Now, the, mm-hmm. uh, this is a fun podcast where they do quizzes. They do some uh, story recaps occasionally, and they look at some comics in general. It's, it's a lot of fun, and I can't recommend it any higher. Great stuff. Green Lantern HG at Green Lantern HG, of course. Thank you so much. Great. And I think that's all we had. So we can't thank Great. you enough, yes, and sir. we really appreciate all the folks that chimed in. If by chance I overlooked you, please let me know on BT on Bad Books or let Jerry know on Professor Frenzy, and we will be sure to mention you on our next show. Thanks, Chris. Well, that's all we have for today. Please join us next time when Chris and I will cover Nightwing, The Great Leap. My name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. And thank you for listening to Bat Books for Beginners. Joker is still stealing. He laughs himself to tears. There's no one who can fight him except for me. How can I defeat him? I'm tired, it's getting hot There has to be a flaw in his plot Bat belt is igniting But first you know what's dropping new It's Bat Books 
for beginners. It's bad books for beginners. Some people, there's no pleasing. The crime is going down. Some villain robs a bank and I emerge. The people all are screaming, but first I gotta download. It's bad books for beginners. It's bad books for beginners. It's bad books for beginners.